This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm Big Waz, a.k.a. Wosni Lamwe. I was just in Florida with all the Miami Haitians. They're a different breed, y'all. I need a full breakdown as to the difference between Miami Haitians and New York Haitians. Oh, man, I'll give it to you, but we we can never do it on air. (laughs) (laughs) You get canceled. (laughs) (laughs) Hey... (laughs) It's a different breed down there. Um, joined as always by my co-host, my partner, my comrade, Nando Vila. Usually on the west side of Los Angeles, hearing the waves crash. But right now he's in South Florida in his native land. He's he's with the he's you know he's an indigenous South South Floridian. I am from here. I'm actually down the street from Little Haiti right now. Uh, I'm, in, oh, Lord. I'm in Miami Good on Biscayne Boulevard. You know, living it up. And there's no, you know, COVID's been over here for a while. <laughs> they didn't ever, they never <laughs> gave a shit about COVID here. <laughs> so, they're like, what are you talking about? We've been having a great time. So, yeah, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> good for them. Yeah, good for them. Also, um, I guess I can announce it here. It's, it's, it's out there now. Ooh, we got an announcement. It's out there It's already. not out there, but they've let everybody know internally. So, I can now... Make it public. Oh, are we are we breaking news we're on, making, on the World Pro Pod? We're breaking news. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer at the Athletic. Uh, Monday will be my last day there. Had two great years there. Um, everybody who I worked with, from obviously Jade Hoy, who, for lack of a better word, discovered me, um, and encouraged me, and coached me, and made me into the professional that I am today. So, of course, shouts to Jade Hoy, first and foremost. My man Khalid Salam, who edited 99.9% of every word that was ever published by me over there. That's my brother. Uh, Sergio Rodriguez, who was the first person I talked into hiring me as a writer and believed in what I could do. Dan Kaufman, who was the boss and had to make the final decision, said, kid, you got something. Let's do it. David Ortenberg, who was the person who, who identified Count of Dings as something to do and um, wanted to bring us over to the athletic. Shouts to David Ortenberg. Of course, my partner, David Aldridge, who basically loaned his credibility to me <laughs> and made people have to take me serious because the, the motherfucker is literally a Hall of Famer. He's literally 
in the basketball hall of fame. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and he was gracious enough to do a podcast with me and, you know, introduce me to people like <laughs> Iron Eagle <laughs> and Charles Barkley. Um, so shouts to David Aldridge. I can never repay you for that. Um, and yeah, everybody at the athletic who made it what it was, um, the two years were incredible. But uh, I just signed with the Ringer. I'm I'm down with the Ringer. Ringer, Shit. Spotify, get at me. Um, this is your official announcement. Um, and it wouldn't be right if I did it anywhere else but the Woke Bros. So, yeah. shouts to everybody who supported me over the years, of course. Um, but you know, this this the next chapter. I think we're gonna do fucking amazing things. Shouts to obviously Bill Simmons, the founder, the big dog. Um, who was like, yo, let's rock with this guy. Sports the sports guy. guy um, the legend, the pod father. Shouts to Simmons. Shouts to Fantasy and Chris Ryan, um, you know, who definitely, after a conversation with them, was like, bruh, we need to make this happen ASAP. And shouts to those two. And, and shouts to everybody at the ringer. I think we're going to do fantastic things together. So yeah. that's the next chapter. I'm announcing it on Woke Bros. Fuck with your boy. On today's show, we're going to give a quick Oscar reaction because obviously you guys know Nando is a professional movie reviewer on Redbox. <laughs> and so we got to hear his expert opinion of who won and why. And then the Biden administration in many ways is doing a lot of things that Nando and I both love, like a lot um, specifically as compared to the last Democratic administration on domestic economic policy. However, they're fucking killing us abroad. Um, we're going to get into the latest spat with Guatemala. But first, Joe Biden is coming for your capital gains, y'all. <laughs> um I feel like the only reason I know about capital gains and the capital gains tax rate is because Obama put his dick on Romney's head over it during their campaign against one another back in 2012. Um, I thought Obama's campaign was so effective at, as painting Romney as this waspy, douchey, rich prick. Plutocrat, yeah. Who would say, plutocrat, who would say, that's just not how things are done, my boy. <laughs> He's that kind of white dude. They so expertly marketed him as that. Yeah. And I think the voters responded to that with the firing of people, et cetera, et yeah. cetera. But one of the big things that came out of Obama's campaign against Mitt Romney in 2012 was the capital gains rate and whether it was too low or not, and whether it was like this freaking fool got to sit on his ass and make this much money and got taxed at nothing. Meanwhile, you work your ass every day and you're getting taxed at 30-something percent. Who does that make sense to? Yeah. And they went after it, but they didn't. They never went after it in any substantive way. And then, of course, it comes out, Nando, that, that Joe Biden wants to tax capital gains. Is it starting at a million? Yeah, above a million at a at a at a, a rate of uh, forty, uh, close to forty <laughs> percent. That's a nice rate. <laughs> the, the, the U.S. has one of the lowest capital gains tax rates in the world, and and 
you know, the this is like that famous thing that Warren Buffett always says. You may have heard him say this, that he pays less in taxes than his secretary. He doesn't mean that he pays less in absolute numbers. He just says he, pay, he pays less as a percentage of his income because the vast majority of rich people make the vast majority of their income on capital gains, not say a salary, you know, which would be taxed at a higher at a higher rate. Capital gains are when you have some sort of capital stock um, or real estate or any sort of asset and it appreciates in value and then therefore you have more money. Um, so things like, yeah, buildings or houses or stock market or bonds or anything. Or Bitcoin. Bitcoin. <laughs> anything that appreciates in value um, and you make money off of it, um, as a result, you get a capital gains tax. And in the United States, it's very, very low. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just a brazenly unfair thing that labor, meaning the work that you do for someone else, um, gets taxed at a higher rate than capital, which is the income that you get from just owning shit, from not doing anything. You don't do anything to earn that money. You just earn it because you own something, you know? So, um, it's a, it's a pretty remarkable political thing. I mean, Obama raised the capital gains rate, like very, very little, like he raised it like a little smidgen. Um, I think it was like two or 3%. And, uh, what Biden's proposing is an almost like doubling of of the top market, uh, you know, capital gains rate. Um, so yeah, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, it's 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 out of the playbook of old school Democrats, you know, of which Biden is one. <laughs> Even though he's an awful, he's had a, he has an awful track record. He came of age politically. He was one of the youngest senators to ever be elected in the early 1970s. And in that era, it was toward the end of it, but it, it was still kind of the conventional wisdom if you were a Democrat. <laughs> Tax the rich. Tax the rich. <laughs> Tax the rich. Th th like you politically, the, the, the way you win in America is you go after rich people, you soak the rich, you spend on social services, and then you win. The Republicans, who used to be always against uh, uh, taxing the rich, used to always complain that it was like, unfair, that Democrats always beat them because Democrats back then used to destroy like used to dominate American politics, they'd say all they do is tax, 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 spend, 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 win, win, win. And win, win, win. And that's how you fucking win in American politics. But Democrats forgot that for like 30 or 40 years. And that's why they get their fucking ass beat every single time all over the place. Um, so maybe Biden is, is recovering some of that old school Democrat mentality of you just what you do to win in American politics is you spend big. You tax big, especially the rich, and capital gains taxes affect only rich people. I mean, very, very few non-rich people have any meaningful income from capital gains. Um, and uh, and then you win. That's how you do well, it. Well, you know, your little, your little, your little punk ten grand that you made off a of Dogecoin won't be taxed, no. y'all. Just just no. remember that it's it's up to a million. Yeah, it's a, and and it's important that we mention that Nando because. I got to give you the credit for enlightening me to the sort of the instincts of our buffer class, our petty bourgeois yeah. class, our not quite 50 G's, 40 G's a year, busting my hump for it, paying my rent and daycare and all of that on it, people 
of which that's most of our country, mm-hmm. not quite, obviously not quite Mitt Romney, but can smell it, can taste it. They can taste Romney. They can taste a hundred million. <laughs> not that they're going to get there actually, yeah. but they can taste it. The petty bourgeoisie, the most reactionary class yeah. of citizens that we have. And I say this because I'm hanging out with my own friends this weekend. And obviously they know what we do on this show every week, (laughs) how socialist we are. Mm. Um, And he's like, so Biden's just going to raise capital gains at one million? Why is it starting at a million? They wanted it to start at 10. I'm like, guys... If you made a million, that means you kept 600K. Why what, yeah. like, what, Why are they robbing me of my first million, they said. <laughs> I mean, I got, newsflash, bro. Like, you're probably not going to get it. So, you know, you might as well, you might as well fund tax the rich because then the, the state will be able yes. to pay for social services when you inevitably fall on your face or you have kids or, you know, a million other things. Um, or not even just that. I mean, for me, most importantly, I think what people don't realize is, you know, all the security and this protection and all of this stuff that everybody's worried about, stay up at night, protecting this and all of that, people coming to get it from me. Why do you think those people are coming to get it? It's because they ain't got shit because we're not helping them, helping them out. Yeah. Why would a guy bust you over the head for your watch on freaking Wilshire Boulevard in Beverly Hills? As you're eating your dinner, is it because there's a bunch of economic opportunity for him? Yeah. No, it's because there isn't. Yeah. So when we do that, you can eat your dinner in peace, fam. That's that's the part that I think people don't actually realize. It, it's like it's affecting you in ways that you can't even perceive, like your safety. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even think about it until it happens. And then you just say, why did that guy do that? Well... Think about where that guy comes from. Think about why somebody would take the risk of taking a guy's watch in broad daylight on a busy street in Los Angeles. It's not because his economic opportunities and future is so bright. Inequality is antithetical to a healthy functioning society. You know, it's just you can't have a healthy society with high levels of inequality, even if the people at the bottom are doing okay which is not the case in the United States. But assume that like the bottom um, was doing better than they are now, but the rich were just as rich, if not richer than they are now. It would still be an unhealthy society because it's a society that bleeds um, distrust. It breeds um, a a sense of separation, uh, a sense of domination from the ruling class. Um, When someone has that much money, I got news for you. They also have power. Because money gives you power. And when someone has power, what does power mean? It just means like being able to dominate someone below them. That's the definition of power, right? Being able to bend power. other people to your will because you can force them to do it. To your will. You know? So if someone has power, they're going to use it. So a society in which a power is held by a small number of people will automatically oppress the majority because they won't be able to help themselves because these people do not have goodness in their heart. I mean, it doesn't, it's not even about that. Like it's just a structural thing. It's not about like their own personal morality. It's just the presence of it. The possession of the power um, leads to the corruption 
And that's just going to happen every single time, no matter if, how many, um, no matter how many woke struggle sections they go through. Um, they're they're still gonna they're still you gonna put do a it. billion dollars in Mother Teresa's pocket, she'll become Bill Gates. Well, there's tomorrow. you know Christopher Hitchens wrote a whole book about Mother Teresa, and she arguably was already doing that. You know that. No, she's she's arguably <laughs> fake news, but okay. Let's say someone like like someone who like Nelson Mandela, you know, like someone who is good, you know. <laughs> I encourage you to seek out Christopher Hitchens's uh, take on Mother Teresa to see how she was just actually just a reactionary supporter of dictators and all manner of awful people all over the world. But um, yeah, um, that's a whole that's a whole that's a, a whole different show altogether. Um, but yeah. No, yeah, that's but the point is well taken. You know, it's um, it's it's what we always talk about with Jay-Z, right? You know, that. Yes. He's a black man. But first, from he's fr- a first of all, he's a black man, not from Baldwin Hills in Los, Los Angeles, not from, you know, you've all seen coming to America, not from Jamaica Estates. He's not from, you know, um, he's not even from like. Fort Greene, Brooklyn. He's from Marcy Projects. He's literally from the bottom. (laughs) He's literally came up from the bottom. And what I've learned is that only reinforces the capitalistic greed and avarice. This, this, This sense that I did this shit from the mud. Yeah. That never taken a single thing back from me because I literally lived in public housing yeah. in New York City in the 1970s in a bankrupt city. Yeah. The and he's an arch capitalist. The <laughs> the ruling class members who came up from the bottom who really did come up from their, you know, pull themselves are the worst ones. They, yeah, because they they resent everyone who who stayed at the bottom. They're like, "What well, if I did it? Like you must be like you must be a little piece of and shit, idiot. you know?" Um it's it's the often, I mean, this is not typically the case, but the the sort of most progressive of the ruling class, someone like FDR, was someone who was born is of the yeah ruling someone class. born to unbelievable he privilege. He's, He's like, like I didn't do shit. For I didn't this. do shit for this. <laughs> Obviously, some of them are most of them are idiots, and they believe they earned that shit right. too, even though they didn't. Like right. you know, all of the you know zions of of our you know like Meghan McCain and Hunter Biden and uh, you know Abby Huntsman and all these people. Like they think that they're they're you know, smart or whatever, when it's really, they were just born to like unbelievable privilege. But um, some of them become very progressive, but the the ones who pulled themselves up from their bootstraps, they're like, well, what? I did it, you know, I didn't get no help, you know, like you can, you can do it too. And it's like, that's just not the case. You have and to be a so genius like Jay-Z. We, <laughs> we exactly, we say this to say, you know, some people that are listening to this might be on the verge of petty bourgeois class and, Thinking to themselves, look, man, I'm wit feeding the poor and all of that shit, but goddamn, can I get my paper? <laughs> You're gonna get your paper. Yeah. It's just gonna be taxed at a higher rate. And it's gonna be completely fine. And it's gonna go towards a better cause. You know, I was on TYT yesterday and we talked about Biden was like, I'm gonna invest 80 billion into the IRS and it's gonna get me. 780 billion back just by getting taxes we're already owed. Yeah. 780 billion of which is only 8% of what's actually owed annually that's being lost. Yeah. So an investment of 80 billion 
into just the IRS, gets our tax coffers back tenfold. $780 billion, by the way, is more or less the cost of the entire military. So... Uh, per year. <laughs> um, so that's a, that would be a very, very good thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that the current budget for the IRS's enforcement is something like $12 billion. So expanding it to $80 billion, you know, would, would dramatically change the agency's ability to go after people who evade their taxes. I mean, I, I worked at Fusion when we were the, the official uh, North American news partner for the Panama Papers, which was this incredible leak um, of documents that showed how much fucking money is hidden in offshore bank accounts. That is money that is stolen. That is no different than from someone walking into your house and stealing that money. That money is ours. It is not theirs. It is ours that they are stealing by evading on their taxes. That is no different. Meanwhile, you get your paycheck every week. You see that deduction. Yeah, exactly. So that's stealing. No questions asked. The amount of money hidden in places like Bermuda and the Cayman Islands and Panama and Luxembourg and shit like that is 32 Trillion dollars. Think about the problems in the world. (laughs) And think about these fucking rich assholes who don't know what the fuck to do with their money. So they're inventing cryptocurrencies and flying to Mars and shit, you know? And that's because all that money is fucking hidden away. And it's and it's stolen from us. So yeah. Tax the rich. It's always good. The capital gains rate is gonna get raised. Um not to bring up TYT again, but we talked about Manchin doing his tough guy act again. He's going to vote for it, guys. It's going to be slightly smaller than what we wanted. Actually, we need $3.5 trillion. Biden did $2.2 again. Still way better than Barry. Like, way better than Barry. Like, way fucking <laughs> yeah. better than Barry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, it, Biden is is so far being the best president of like my lifetime and it just shows like how low the bar is um for <laughs> democrats i mean i lived through reagan i was born in the reagan administration hw bush clinton same bush same. jr ba- obama trump and now biden fucking <laughs> and he's the best president yeah he's the best president since lyndon johnson probably yeah <laughs> It's crazy. It's just the bar is so low. We've just had so many decades of just dog shit. Oh, just absolute shit. dog shit. That's, but yeah. That is insane. That is insane. Um, so yeah, shouts to Joe Biden, tax the rich. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. Researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients, Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and ooh, pomegranate. Lucy also has a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine in cherry ice flavor. Each and every flavor actually tastes great, and it's convenient and discreet. Products can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, even at the gym. People, it's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes. Unplug your vape. Throw out your dip and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. Right now, 
bomb listeners. That's right. This podcast that you're listening to, the Black Opinions Matter. You guys all go to lucy.co and use promo code BOM to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's Lucy, L-U-C-Y dot C-O and use promo code B-O-M at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code B-O-M. Nando, man, I'm going to let you handle the Guatemala situation because yeah. I feel like Latin American and American relations is one of your specialties. Yeah. Like, you're very expert at the political dynamics and the history of it. And, you know, you brought it to our attention <laughs> that Kamala Harris was finger wagging at the president of Guatemala. Yeah. As if Iran Contra never happened, and like, <laughs> like what? Yeah, just like in, so yeah. So in a meeting uh, with the president of Guatemala, Vice President Kamala Harris, who apparently has taken a huge role in Biden's foreign policy, probably because they can't allow Biden to talk to foreign leaders because he might say something, uh, <laughs> you know, that he might regret <laughs> um, because they just they can't wheel about to, uh, you know, to talk to these people. Um, and it, I think the reason why I, I was so, you know, fired up about this story in some ways is because the flip side of the Biden administration, which he's been surprisingly good on domestic policy, especially on, on economic issues, which are the most important issues to deal with for um, for government and politics. Yeah. Um, the flip side is on foreign policy. The Biden administration has been basically indistinguishable from Trump's with the only cop with the only difference being that they're using woke language to defend the awful policies that the Trump administration has pursued. I mean, Obama, who is awful on domestic policy, especially on economic issues, was decent at foreign policy. I'm not going to say he was good. He was okay, had some very real victories, though, like the Iran deal and the opening up of Cuba, where he ended the decades-long U.S. embargo, which is just an awful crime committed by the U.S. on the Cuban people. Um, And Obama ended that and allowed for travel to Cuba. That was ended by Trump. Biden is continuing that policy. Biden is also continuing the belligerence towards Iran. So Biden is not opening back up the Cuba thing. No. We're just back to being yes. Cold War enemies with Cuba. Yes, essentially. Um, and then Guatemala. Uh, so uh, Kamala Harris met with the president of Guatemala ostensibly to talk about the the sort of migration crisis because there is there is a there is a real kind of migration coming into the United States in the wake of Biden's uh, Biden's victory. I, I, I heard a story um, that the AP did um, where they talked to like some villagers in Guatemala and they were like, yeah, we, we heard that the new president is going to be nicer to immigrants. And so we're going to go. And that's and that's that's definitely a real thing that's happening because Central America right now is going is undergoing a major social crisis. Right. Um, so Kamala Harris met with him and there was a tweet that said, Vice President Kamala Harris tells the Guatemalan president to his face that political corruption, violence against LGBT people and Afro descendants are some of the root causes of migration to America. There are also longstanding issues that um, are often called the root causes of immigration. We are looking at the issue of poverty and the lack, therefore, of economic opportunities. 
the issue of extreme weather conditions uh, and the lack of climate adaptation, as well as corruption and the lack of good governance, and violence against women, indigenous people, LGBTQ people, and Afro-descendants. It is just absolutely fucking galling that an American <laughs> official would tell something like that to the face of the president of Guatemala after what the United States has done to Guatemala since the 19, since for the last hundred years. Guatemala for basically 50 years in the first part of the 20th century was a colony of a single company, a single American company called the United Fruit Company, which is today known as Chiquita Banana. Whenever you eat a banana and you see Chiquita Banana, it was previously known as the United Fruit Company. It basically owned Guatemala. One good day, the people of Guatemala elected a president who was who ran on the platform of taking back some of the land that was owned by the United Fruit Company, which was exploiting the Guatemalan peasants as essentially slaves, and take it back and do some land reform. Well, the United Fruit Company did not like that, so they asked the U.S. government to intervene. And in the first ever CIA coup, the United States deposed the elected leader of Guatemala and installed a right-wing dictator. That was in 1954 when we deposed the government of Jacobo Arbenz. Okay, starting in 1960, there was a major civil war in Guatemala, which lasted 36 years. And it was a result of... The, the like the the intervention of the United States in which it basically suspended democracy in Guatemala, so the people rose up and fought a war. The government fought back and essentially committed a series of genocides amongst uh, 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 to the native people. All of this whole time supported by the United States, ramped up significantly by the Reagan administration in the 1980s. Probably two. To 300,000 people died in Guatemala as a result of the U.S.-backed terror campaign that was waged by the government of Guatemala uh, toward its people. Okay, so to the extent that there is, you know, like uh, violence towards LGBT people and Afro descendants in Guatemala and it's causing the migration crisis. Well, thank you to the United States for that and the failed um, policies that have fueled violence in Central America for decades. Um, that was just part of it. I mean, there's also the, the, the drug war. It's, and not the- just, it's not just, you name it, Panama, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Guatemala, you name it. If there's a problem happening in Central America, we cost it. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> directly or right. indirectly, yeah. but mostly directly, we caused it. Name the spot. Yeah. We caused the issue. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, Kamala Harris, if there's man spreading in Guatemala and, uh, you know, that offends <laughs> your sensibilities. But, <laughs> fucking, you know, like, you do not get to lecture the fucking people of Guatemala about their unwokeness uh, because the United States has you, committed. Because you represent the U.S. government. Yeah. Atrocities have been committed over there. In the name of the U.S. government, in the name of the American people, if anything, we owe those people a debt of gratitude. Um, And we should be taking care of people who are refugees from Guatemala because, again, we caused it. And this isn't like even ancient history. I mean, in Honduras, there was a coup d'etat in 2009, which 
Barack Obama and his Secretary of State, a woman named Hillary Clinton, fully supported, despite <laughs> not a single other Latin American government uh, supporting it. There was a right-wing military coup in Honduras that was supported by the Obama administration and the Clinton State Department. So this is this is the cent- to the extent that there is a social crisis in Central America, which there is, it is largely fueled by the policies in Washington D.C. It is not the sure. unwokeness of uh, of of Guatemalans or El Salvadorians or Hondurans. By the way, when we had when you were gone for the one week and we had Bessner on, shouts to DB, my brother. Um, you know, I wanted him to break down just the concept of American hegemony. Hegemony. I can't say that word for the life. Yeah, hegemony. American hegemony. This is it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is it. This is what it's wrought. This is the 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 basically the consequences of that ideology of America, America, domination, domination. We're gonna kill everything and everybody. He's to kiss our asses. Fucking people, man, get put through the meat grinder behind that dumb shit. Yeah. At, and, to, at what ex- and to what extent? For what? Like, do people think that McDonald's cheeseburgers cost $2 because of this? Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's not affecting our everyday lives, man. Like, yeah. they're p- literally putting people through the meat grinder on the one end. And then on the other end, when they try to get in here through Mexico, oh, we're full. Yeah. It's really, it's really heinous, yeah. And then we're deporting, you know, we deport millions of people back to Central America. I mean, what do you think happens when that happens? I mean, you know, you know, you've heard of MS-13, right? Like MS-13, which is the largest criminal gang in the world in El Salvador, right by uh, Guatemala. Um, that was created essentially after the Reagan dirty wars in Central America created a mass migration into the United States, um, just as mass incarceration uh, was starting. So they put a lot of those people in jail. They got into those jails in California, which were very dangerous places. You know, jails, prison, the prison system in America, as everybody well knows, is fucking abomination, very dangerous places. So they basically <laughs> formed a gang to protect themselves from the, you know, white supremacists and the black gangs and the of Mexican course. gangs and whatever. Of course. So they formed their own gang. They're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to strength by numbers. We're going to protect ourselves. We're going to call it MS-13. Then when they got out of jail, that's when mass deportation started and they all got deported back to El Salvador. And like, now they're criminal, they're hardened criminal After gang members. After being institutionalized. Yeah. After being institutionalized, we sent them back to their countries. Yeah. So what do you think they did? Yeah, what do you think they did? Um, in which the U.S. is fueling a, a, a drug war worth billions of dollars, which is just completely senseless and just fueling uh, violence. Like, it's just it's crazy. I mean, that's, that's why like I have no patience for fucking Kamala Harris lecturing these people. Like, my God, like it's I don't know if she knows better and she's just cynical or she's just dumb or she's just it just I don't know. I don't know. I never know how to read it. Like, I don't know. I think she's I think she's she's playing a part. She's like, you know how every chick on Instagram, every influencer gets the perfect angle? Yeah, yeah. That's Kamala Harris in yeah, public. Right. She's trying to get the perfect angle. Right. She's marketing herself. She's, it's a commercial every time she's in public. She doesn't have a genuine public moment ever. Yeah. And this is just part of that. She thinks this is how you talk when you're the vice president. Yeah. And you're basically representing the killing machine of America. And you get to say, 
you don't get to treat people like that because here in America, I know we kill people all. I mean, we kill millions of brown people in the last 20 years overseas and like you know we're fucking up you guys in Central America with a drug war and but like <laughs> excuse well, me that's a thing. I just love the pres- the vice president of America telling a poor country that they treat their black people poorly. I don't know. I don't know. America yeah, great record with, with their Afro descendants oh you know. <laughs> we kind of invented oh that gosh. whole thing you know. <laughs> so oh it just drives me crazy. Anyway, so we say all that to say um, we're going to give Biden props. We're going to give the Biden regime props when they're getting it right on social economic policy um, here in America because they're getting it mostly right. Um, but the foreign policy has just been atrocious, basically, from the word go. And this is just the latest example of that. But we move on because we do have to end the show. We move on to the Oscars, which I didn't watch. Neither did Nando. But we saw who won. <laughs> um, yeah. I will admit to having seen basically none of these movies outside of Mank, which was brilliant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was fucking brilliant. And Judas and the Black Messiah, which we talked about at length here. Obviously, I was very excited to hear the news that Daniel Kaluuya won for Best Supporting Actor, although him and Lakeith were both leads in that movie. Yeah. Whatever. They gave the best actor to Tony Hopkins, who, from what I heard, was actually amazing in that movie, even though people wanted to sort of memorialize Chadwick with that award. But they said Tony Hopkins actually killed it in that role. I will try to watch that movie. Frances McDormand yeah. won her third Oscar, which is historic. Not very many people have ever done three. Um, she's one of the chosen few. It's like her, Nicholson. I don't even yeah. think Daniel Day-Lewis has... No, Daniel Day-Lewis, I think, has three. Yeah, he has three. Yeah. Anyway, it's elite. Meryl Streep has a few, too. Right. It's yeah. an elite company that she's just joined. Yeah. I think she's a great actress. Um, although... I don't know. White people living off the grid. This just doesn't sound like a movie I want to watch. Did you watch it? Yeah. No, I haven't seen it. And I, I mean, I, I like, I, I kind of, I mean, you know, Amazon, part, not, I don't want to say participated in that movie, but they like lent their, they, they let them shoot in one of their fulfillment centers and they let them use their, their logo. Um, so a movie about poverty in America, which, has the kind of blessing of Amazon, I suspect will not, you know, <laughs> tickle your fancy. Uh, focus on the real perpetrators of poverty in America. But I, <laughs> I have heard that it is quite good and that I'm, uh, so I might watch it. Um, I'll probably watch it. But uh, I, I like you, I mean, the, the one, the movie that I enjoyed a, a lot this year and was recognized at the Academy um, was the Danish movie, Another Round, that won the, you know, it's just about bros. You know, it's just about male friendships, dude. You know, about bros being bros, and you gotta and you love to see that. Love that. Um, Nads Mikkelsen is amazing. Leo DiCaprio just bought the rights to it. Is gonna do, is gonna make it in America, um, which you know, good luck to him. But they, I mean, it just why why ruin a perfect movie? Yeah, yeah. But uh, <clears throat> um, 
and you know, and you know, I mean, I, I, I understand the sort of stuff around Chadwick, and I, and it, they, they actually, the producers of the Oscars assumed that he was going to win because they they rejiggered the order of the categories to end it on Best Actor instead of Best Picture, um, which it usually ends on Best Picture, but they they wanted to end it on the uh, on which I guess proves that the producers of the Oscar don't know who's going to win, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because they would, because Anthony Hopkins wasn't even there. So it just kind of ended with, because I guess he assumed he wasn't going to win either. He's on um, vacation. So he apparently. wasn't even He's there. He's like on a world tour on a boat or something or something crazy. <laughs> Good for him. I mean, Anthony Hopkins is amazing. Yes. I mean, you got to love that yes. man. And he's he's hilarious on Twitter. Uh, he's a great follow on Twitter. Um, I don't follow him. I'm about, I'm about to follow him just off of that recommendation. He puts like old man videos like where he's like really funny, you know, like and um, so, yeah, I'll probably watch that. I mean, I just think people invest like a little too much into the uh, Academy Awards, um, Especially lately, like in, in the Academy Awards were amazing in the 70s and in the 90s, in which they kind of really did recognize the best movies of those years. But if you look at the Academy Awards of the last like decade, two decades, they are not recognizing what the, the best fuck movies. Is of those the King's I mean, a lot of those movies you for the King's Speech, The Artist. Have you ever even thought no. about that movie again? That one, Best Picture and Best Actor. Um, you know, insane. the Green Book, uh, Fucking uh, the shape of water, like it's oh not like God. if you think about the, the movies that alien, stick with you. The chick that fucked the alien. Yeah, the chick that fucked the water alien. Um, if you think about the movies that stick with you, that um, have kind of like survived the sort of test of time of the last ten or twenty years, a lot of them weren't recognized by the Academy. Um, so they've become, they've kind of like painted themselves into irrelevance in that way. And that's why it's one of the reasons why it declined so much in ratings in the last few years. Although this year is kind of a special year because of the pandemic yeah. and there was, there just weren't a lot of movies out there. Um, promising. Did you watch Promising Young Woman? It won no. Best Screenplay. I'm not. Oh my I'm God. Gonna, it's so bad. I'm not going to watch it. It's so movie. bad. I'm it, not going to watch that movie. You do not watch it. It's I'm so not going to watch the movies. The one thing I did like is, did you see Lakeith Stanfield's look at the Oscars? Yeah, he looked. <laughs> that was a pretty cool look. That was a pretty fucking cool look, man. The I fucking 70s leisure suit, Oscar. one piece. I love our theoretical Oscar talk in which we watch the movies and then watch the award show except the opposite. <laughs> except we didn't watch any of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're pros here, man. We're, what about pros. Um, Sound of Metal? Have you seen that? I've heard good things about it. I saw that movie. I thought it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, you know, it's like an incredibly solid movie. You can't like say anything bad about it, but it's also like not like amazing. You know, I'm not. It's just like solid, well made movie. I'm a little bit not into Riz Ahmed. I, I hate to. I hear you, dude. I, I hear. I, I mean, he's good in it, though. I gotta say, something that's stopping me from being into him. I don't know if it's his. Background as a rapper that pisses me off. I did not know he was he was a oh rapper. Oh my god, he's not just a rapper; he's like a politically conscious rapper, which is the uh, worst like kind Common? of yes, which is the worst kind of rapper. Not even like Common, like <laughs> like Common. Common. It, it, the funny thing about Common is that he actually markets himself as that, but if you really listen to what he's saying, he's kind of like none of that. He's talking about being a, a gang member and fucking bitches and doing all of that shit. Oh, okay. He, he, he yeah. actually, the content... <laughs> cool. Is exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the content is not what he markets himself as, but he's a genius at self-promotion and marketing. He's the voice of yeah. Gap and fucking... <laughs> 
Jesus Microsoft God. and like he's yeah. marketing himself to be that safe Negro, but his music has actually never been that. Um, right. But yeah, Riz Ahmed is like, you know, he's talking about the plight of brown people in the UK and all of that. Right, right, right. Not to say that. Well, you got to watch. There's a Riz Ahmed movie that you have to watch called Four Lions. Have you seen that movie? I have not. Four Lions is amazing. It's about, it's a comedy about four friends from the UK who are, um, uh, I think it's three or four friends. I don't remember. It's like a group of friends in the UK who are um, like a, you know, uh, Muslim, Muslim, Muslim British kids and they get radicalized and join Al Qaeda. But it's a comedy. Mm, I like like they that. show up, they show up in Afghanistan, I like and, that. and like they're and they're just like they're, no, they're like in a terrorist really trading camp. <laughs> yeah, they're like in a terrorist ca- training camp to plan like a big terrorist attack uh, in London, and they get like an RPG and like accidentally shoot it backwards <laughs> instead of forwards and kill Osama bin Laden. <laughs> <laughs> It's That's actually like I, I remember watching it. I'm like, these guys are really gonna do this? Like they're they're like this they're doing a comedy about this? Sub- like that's, and it's, that's it's, subversive it's, for sure. Yeah, it's really you know because comedy is so safe these days. I mean, there's Ugh, there is a point to, like it, those like right wingers do have a point about that shit. Um, but um, this one was like not safe at all. Like it's like a bunch of like UK guys were like, hey, bruv, it's it, it, you know it's it's massive in it, you know, like but they all get, like, <laughs> get radicalized, <laughs> go to a terrorist camp and all kinds of stuff. I have, to, so, watch, I have to watch Riz Ahmed. You know what? I, I, it is it's the rap thing that has annoyed me, and I gotta let yeah. it go because he's clearly a talented dude. But um, yeah, yeah shouts to um, shouts to Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, his speech was pretty cool too. He has like that cool British accent that he I does. like from, you know, like He yeah. does. Um Yeah. I didn't I never heard him speak like in his in his kind of original oh, accent. Oh yeah, and he's very he's a very conscious self not conscious in the whack oh, I'm like conscious thing. Like he's a conscious <laughs> yeah, yeah. conscious of the absurdity of all of this of our culture. And yeah. that's what I like about him. He's very self-conscious. I just wild that a guy playing Fred Hampton won an Oscar. the Academy. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of wild. <laughs> like, who would have thunk it three years ago? I know, but um, they didn't talk enough about the women in Black Panther. But whatever, I'm 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 off of it. I'm not doing the woke critique of Black Panther. Um, excuse me, Judy. did you see that in New York Mag? Someone was yeah. like, someone was like, yeah. That was like crazy. Someone was like, "Black Panther didn't capture the essence of blackness or the or the menace of white supremacy or some something insane like that." And I was like, what? "I was like, you watched that movie so, and you weren't convinced that the police and white people are evil, right?" Anyway, that was our show for this week. Make sure you subscribe to Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Leave a review. Make sure it's five stars. Make sure you're checking out every single Count the Dings offering that you can. And if you can't, please become a Patreon at patreon.com backslash Count the Dings. Fernando Vila, I'm Big Waz. We're out of here. Peace. Later.